you can't embrace the race thing while at the same time denying other people from embracing it themselves. They're not looking to be taken seriously by people who think critically. They're only looking to be taken serious by the masses who don't think that far into these subjects. No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. And today, me, AD, and Flacco are going to be having a conversation with probably the most controversial person that we're ever going to talk to, apparently. <laughs> Nick Fuentes, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Pretty good. Sneeko was supposed to be on this, and he may be joining us at some point. But, uh, yeah, we're in here today to have a conversation, mm -hmm. at least in part because Sneeko has been urging me to, I don't know, accept Nick Fuentes into hip-hop? What are our stated goals for this podcast, Nick? Uh, well, I think we're going to have a good discussion. Um, well, I know that you had on Tariq Nasheed recently, apparently, to debunk me. You know, he <laughs> talked about me and some of my views, so maybe we could talk about some of those things and the uh, recent news with Kanye, but uh, whatever you want to do. Also I'm trying to understand. No Jumper deals with hip-hop. They deal with, like, the culture aspect of black culture. And yet they're going to bring Nick Fuentes on in order to have a conversation. Now, Nick Fuentes, from what I understand, I don't know much about his actual content or the things that he says, which is why I'm watching this video and I'm going to do my best to explain or try to break down what's happening. But this platform is nowhere near geared enough to handle somebody who has been labeled a white supremacist and somebody who talks political um who has political conversations on a day-to-day -day basis. Like these are not what these people are here for. And sometimes people with platforms, because they have a big platform, they think that they are equipped or able to have certain conversations, but they haven't been trained to how to pick up on certain, you know, aspects of a political conversation when it comes to America and the world in itself. But yeah, they're going to try and let's see how they succeed. So is this live or is this pre-recorded? This is not live. We're going to drop it tomorrow. Okay, I was under the impression this was going to be live. Are you live? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Well, that's great. Um, okay. So how would you say that what, – what's your overall opinion of hip-hop? Let's just throw that out there. Let's get some Nick Fuentes' opinions on, on hip-hop. Uh, well, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of hip-hop. I wouldn't say that I'm like a, you know, a hip-hop head, but I listen to rap music. May, predominantly Kanye West. I know that's going to sound like I'm bandwagoning because of the recent developments, but I've been a huge Kanye fan for probably five or six years. Um, but I also listen to other things. I listen to um, like Nas and Tribe Called Quest and, uh, and things like that. So I, I, I really don't believe he's saying what he's saying, but it could be true. Uh, I would really be interested for them to ask him to quote some lyrics from one of the artists that he just named. Like, yo, rap some of the lyrics, like, and let's see how much of a fan you are of hip-hop. I like hip-hop music. I like rap music. So so black art is just fine with you. You don't you don't mind. It's not black art. This see this this mindset of black art. There's no such thing as black art. There's art. And sometimes black people create art, but it doesn't make it black art. America. And hearing the, the lived experiences of black people, I feel like most people would assume that that's not something you'd be interested in. Uh, no, I, I actually like a lot of, of black music, not just hip hop, but I like soul music. I like funk music, R&B. See, I knew this would happen, right? I knew this would happen. I knew the, the all of the talk and the nonsense about black this and black that and categorizing things as black media is going to create this mindset that there can be white this and black that instead of there are people who come from certain 
backgrounds or certain skin colors who produce art and music or media, whatever the case may be. And it just don't happen to be black, but it doesn't make it black art or black media. But now we've adopted this conversation and it's not black people's fault. I, I really don't think so. I think that this came, this is a revenant of slavery. This is a revenant of you know, Jim Crow, this is the revenant of racism, but yet at the same time, you can see something as being flawed and choose not to participate in that behavior, yet we just accepted this as a society that we're just going to categorize things by people's race, even though those things are independent of that person's race. I'd probably say most of the music I listen to actually is black. I listen to a lot of music. I listen to a lot of white stuff, too, but see, but Point. yeah, no, I, I enjoy that. So you don't, you don't like to be called a white supremacist? No, no, I don't identify that way at all. Why not? Well, I, I'm a Christian. So, um, you know, there are arguments about genetics and things. Like, I think there's definitely a genetic reality to life about there are white people, there are black people, and there are Hispanic and Asian people. Like, races are real. But as a Christian, I believe that we all have souls as well. And, uh, and so we're all equal in that sense before God. I think that there are differences between people as individuals and as groups, uh, but we all fundamentally have an equality in the sense that we're all created. So see, so uh, Nick, you know what you're doing and you know that people watching this at home are going to read between the lines. When you say race is real, mm -hmm. they're going to take that as a dog whistle. I believe. How is it a dog whistle? Black people say all the time, uh, I'm black, black power, black this, or Hispanics. They like everybody has already accepted this fact that race is real. Like people live their day-to-day -day lives as if race is real, not just white people. So how is that a dog whistle? Um, it, it's not his job to determine how everybody's going to be impacted by his words. I mean, some people are going to listen to that and say, hell yeah, race is real. Some people are going to look at that and say, no, nah, race isn't really real. It's just like genetics have altered people over time but overall we're still one human race like people are going to take different interpretations of this but like it's not his job to like uh tiptoe around what he believes in order to try to not come off a certain way to certain groups of people certain people who already think that way they're going to think that way regardless of what nick says in this interview I believe that's how they would use that phrase yeah. Yeah. to to indicate that you're advocating for race realism aka black people are not as smart as white people and asian people well, that's not really what race realism is. And I know that Destiny and other, and I've, I've seen you entertain this as well. People say that I, well, I put on a certain face and I put on a facade and I, I disguise my real views, um, but I'm very open about my real views. I've been canceled for my real views. I've been canceled because I don't hide my real views. That is a, a it's like an oxymoron. It's like on one hand, y'all say he's hiding his views in order to try to come off with something he's not, but yet whatever he's doing is enough for people to hate him and despise him. If he was really good at hiding it, he wouldn't have had any of the problems that he's had. So you can't have it both ways. Either he's being real and being honest about who he really is, and that's why he's having the problems he is having, or he's putting on a front and a face, and he probably shouldn't have had any of those problems. If he's smart enough to avoid those pitfalls, then you would imagine that he would have. And when I say race is real, it doesn't that doesn't mean black people are dumber than white people. It means that there, there is a reality to race, which is both constructed and, and biological in the sense that we're, race is real in the sense that, like, you know, some people say I'm not white because I'm Italian, Mexican, and Irish. But for the sake of example, you know, let's say I'm white. And that means certain things to me in a constructed way. You know, it means I have a certain nationality. And you could say there's a history there and there's a cultural thing. But you could also say there's a genetic component, too, like white people have white skin. That's determined by genetics. 
Um, and so race realism is simply the idea that. You have to argue that white people and black people, it's not about your outwardly appearance because those are just genetic markers or your DNA dictates like uh, what your skin color is going to be or whatever. But does it dictate how your brain will function? Well, does it dictate how your body and your organs operate? Yeah, in some situations, people who are come from black descent are going to be more prone to certain diseases or exposed to certain different uh, biological issues or whatever the case may be, just like white people. And yeah, that's a real thing. But is it a race thing or is it more of a geographic descendancy thing? You can argue both. I mean, I wouldn't even really care about this argument because at the end of the day, we realize that no matter what race you are, there are people who can accomplish great things and there are people who are not good at accomplishing anything. So it all depends on your history as your upbringing. It depends on a large part of it uh, depends on your nature. A lot of people come from the same household, same brothers and sisters, same mom and dad, and express themselves totally different throughout the world. And that has nothing to do with their race. It could just be due to how that person filters the world through their, their lenses, which can be something they were born with. So, I mean, but we're going to talk about the law of averages, right? We're going to talk about the overall, and we can't overlook the fact that there are certain things that are unique to certain races and other races based on their race, and which happens to be the case. And on one hand, black people can't make the argument that, oh, well, black people are good at this, or black people are great at that, or black power, this and that. You can't embrace the race thing while at the same time denying other people from embracing it themselves. And I would say it's the other way around as well. Race is a biological reality. Now, what you're talking about is these disparities in IQ, which someone who believes in race would say that disparities in IQ, well, IQ is a heritable uh, characteristic. So you would say that that's you know, the difference in IQ between the races is a function of a genetic difference. It doesn't mean that blacks are dumber than whites. Um, and by the way, you know, I brought up Destiny a moment ago because he, he's been popularizing this. He's been trying to say, oh, you know, Nick believes these things, but he's going to put on his good face. You know, Destiny believes in the same facts. He just doesn't believe in the genetic explanation, which is a legitimate explanation. He just doesn't tell you that. Right. So, I mean, would you say that you've been smeared by the mainstream media or whatever as being more racist than you are? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just... Who wouldn't say that? I mean, anybody in his position... One thing about any of these popular figures who are outside of the mainstream and they start to like receive hatred or receive cancellation or anything of that sort, they're always going to claim that they've been misrepresented or that they've been somehow falsely identified. And in, in, in the case that that is a lot of that is going on. I'm not saying that that's the case in Nick's case because I don't know too much about him. But a lot of times there are people who have these biases within our media and any buzzword or anything that is said that disagrees with the popular narrative is going to be outcast and people are going to look down on you and they're going to try to push you outside of the mainstream. And that just comes with the territory. But you have to accept that when you're out of the mainstream type of person, it comes with that. And I don't ever want to hear these people playing the victim because you could have went the mainstream route. You could have decided to go along and get along, but you chose not to, which is great. I, I, I'm not arguing that people shouldn't be able to like think outside of the box and push different you know, agendas in different areas. But at the same time, you have to accept what comes with that. And it's just a part of the game. They lie about my views because, like I said, I'm very open about my views. I'm not ashamed of them. I'm looking for people to tell my views and I could give it in, in the most extreme way. 
But people say things like Nick wants to live in a whites only country and Nick thinks whites are better than other people. That's like, I don't believe those kinds of things. So yeah, what so is, I am smear. What is your overall opinion about African-American people? Um, I, I think they're, uh, what do you mean my overall opinion? Just off the bat, what do you think about black people? I think they're um I think they're good people. I I I love people. I love all kinds of people. I love black people. You know, my- uh, the perfect answer would have been I don't care about the overall idea of any group of people. Like I deal with people as individuals. If you're somebody that's a nice person, good for you. If you're somebody that's a horrible person, I probably don't like you that much. Fair. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter what your background is. There are people who come from the projects and the ghetto who grow up and be amazing people, and vice versa. Like it doesn't really matter. This whole idea of needing to have an overall view of a certain group of people is just a bad for business. And I think that is bad for business on every side of the aisle. And we have to get away from this. But for the God forsaken, we will never get away from this because we have brainwashed each other into thinking that's the only way to play the game. If you don't play the game like the other people playing the game, you're going to lose the game. But we already lost. Everybody's losing the game every day. We decide to keep having conversations about race. Like, Let's talk about, hey, who's struggling in our country? Who's suffering? Let's help them. Let's figure out a way to up, uplift the people who need it the most. And let's stop wondering about like what their race is or what their history from something that their people suffer through that they didn't personally suffer through. Like Enough is enough, right? My my family goes back in Chicago like four generations. And so my, my family's grown up with Black people, lived with and among Black people for over 100 years. You know, my grandmother, she grew up in the projects in Chicago. My parents, they ran a security school on the south side of Chicago, South Loop, um, where they train a lot of black people how to shoot guns and become security guards and cops and things like that. I grew up in the suburbs, so I didn't have as much interactions with black people as my parents and grandparents, but um, I, I think they're upstanding people. I, I like their art. Uh, I think they're talented. Um, you know, I'm friends with a lot of black people, so. But you would rather live in an ethno state and all the... It's funny how the thing that he just said, in their mind, I can assume that they're thinking like, oh, you like their art. You think they're very creative. Like, eh, like the stereotypical idea that black people are very good at entertaining. Races just sort of stick together. I wouldn't say that necessarily, because the thing is, is that all countries have some amount of diversity. What I would say is I'm against immigration because America's always been a white and black country. Um, and Native American. Since its founding, you know, when the United States was founded or when Europeans began to settle, um, even, even though the obviously blacks were brought over as slaves, when they were emancipated and before that, it was a country that was white and black. And that is a dynamic that's changing in the last 60 years because of immigration. So I, I don't know that I would say like, oh, I'd prefer to. I mean, it is what it is. The country is what it is. I just want to stop immigration. The best way to answer that question is to say, if you're against immigration, you can't blame, you can't even bring up race in that situation. What you should argue is the fact that it's a cultural thing, period. Straight from out the door. Let's not let's leave race out of the situation. Like, look, there are certain values that I want to instill in our country, and I want people to have shared values that we can coexist amongst each other. And some of those things are represented in our Constitution, the Bill of Rights, like you know, the, the freedom of speech, right? To bear arms, things of that sort, right? And we want to we want to preserve those things because it works for us. It has worked for us, and we don't want to see those things 
you know, dissolve. And what you do is when you bring people who don't share your values and share your, share your cultures and you increase those numbers drastically and they become the dominant force within the country, then of course they're not going to adopt those things. They have no incentive to adopt those things. And anytime you do that drastically in a short period of time and you increase those numbers, you're increasing the likelihood that you're going to end up with an influx of people who altered the culture of the country or the, the values of a country. And yes, America is made up of different cultures, different values. And a lot of people don't share the same values. Even liberals and conservatives argue about what we should preserve and what we shouldn't and how we should change things. And that's a never ending battle, right? And we can't even agree amongst ourselves. You want to bring in an influx of people who have vastly different ideas on how a country should be ran and how we should treat our neighbor and all of these different things. You're only increasing the likelihood of conflict because it's chaos theory. The more elements you or the more variables you include into an equation, the more chaotic it becomes. In in what sense? Like you just think that we allow people into the country too easily, or do we not allow the right kinds of people? I've heard that argument that it's easy for like low skill workers to get into America and that they sometimes make it hard for like PhDs to stay in the country. It's just too many. That's the problem. Because the thing is. I guess I'll say it another way. I'm not necessarily against immigration, but we have now is like millions of people coming in every year where you're getting tens of millions in a very short amount of time. And it's just changing how the country is fundamentally. Countries can have immigration. They can bring in, you could say a lot of people without changing like the demographic composition of the country, which is what we're doing. We used to have an immigration policy for a long time where it restricted the immigration groups based on national origins, and we would let them in in waves. So they would come in and they'd assimilate. What we had after the 65 Immigration Act and the 1990 Immigration Act is they just opened up the spigot of immigration and the people come and they just don't stop. And they come in in bigger numbers every year and in every lens it never stops. And what's happening now is it's just totally changing the landscape of the country culturally in terms of the language, our identity as a nation, and that's that's honestly bad for everybody that considers himself an American, I think. Here's the thing, right? So far, anything that he said, a person could argue that this is not a white supremacist. This, these are normal talking co points or conversations that people have all the time. And a lot of people on the right have had these conversations, right? Nobody would argue that this is it. But let's say Nick is a white supremacist. Let's just say for the sake of argument, he is a white supremacist because I don't know at this point. He very well may be, but he very well may not be. I don't know. But let's say for the sake of argument, he is. The problem we have here in this country is you give a lot of fire and a lot of fumes and a lot of smoke to the people who can wield that in the best ability. Because the moment you start to realize that you're giving great talking points to white supremacists, you're doing something wrong. It's a valid point that there is too much immigration going on in America that apparently our structure of government is not willing to put a stop to in a, in a, in a, in a, in a very efficient manner. And that's a problem. And that's something that anybody can sympathize with if you're paying attention. 
And when you have white supremacists using that argument, what you're doing is you're giving them valid arguments in order to be a recruitment tool for people who are lost or people who are looking for somebody to blame or somebody to be upset with. And it's like, yeah, he makes sense. The data backs him up and all of this, that, and the third. But there's usually, with any ideology, there's a lot of baggage that comes with that that we have to get to. We got to cut through all of the good points and we got to get to some of the bad points that's being smuggled in under the good points. And I'm just saying, as an interviewer, as somebody who is trying to have this conversation and flush out if this guy is actually a white supremacist, the questions need to be a lot deeper, need to hit a lot harder and reach those far-reached places to get more out of this guy. But at this point, you're just making him look sane if he is a white supremacist. So, I mean, we can have low-skilled people to address, you know, the labor needs or high-skilled people, depending on, you know, what you need. But bring in, you know, 100,000 people. Don't bring in, like, 3 million people in a year, you know? Right. What I will say is that when I see, like, a fucking refugee crisis, I'm just like, why is there any kind of pressure on us to allow any more people than we fucking feel like allowing into our country? Like, it's just not – it shouldn't be our problem at a certain point. And it's just crazy that we're expected to – make this our problem that people are just showing up and trying to come in it's funny because these are the same people who vote for the people who do it and allow it like don't let's not get it twisted on one hand you're voting in people and you are voting i'm not saying that adam 22 specifically i don't know how he votes or who he votes with but i would take a guess i don't think it's republican right but with that being said most of the people that we put in office and have the position of power to change these things have been the people who are more welcoming to refugees and, you know, diversity is our strength and we need more people from other countries. And these people are just coming looking for a better life, but they still never fail to realize that these things have consequences. There are pros and cons. There are no solutions. There are only trade-offs. And yet we are always supposed to look at the positive aspect of things, but we never have to focus on the negative aspect of it. And that's not a fair way to play politics. And yet, we want politicians that make us feel good. We're the problem. I'm not even mad at the politicians. These are the people y'all bred. These are the people that y'all have set up because they're only saying what you want to hear. That makes you feel good. Anytime a politician tells me all of this good stuff and they never really break down the negative consequences of their policies or the things that they're fighting for and how it's going to impact the people who get the short end of the stick... I don't really take them seriously, but they're not looking to be taken seriously by people who think critically. They're only looking to be taken serious by the masses who don't think that far into these subjects. Yeah, and, and, and that's the question is, what is their government's responsibility to their own people? Every time there's a government that, that gets toppled or, you know, there's a horrible economic disaster or something, like, like in Haiti. Haiti's a good example. There's something going on right now. And the Haiti government collapsed because their government stole all this money. You know, they have this deal with Venezuela where Venezuela loans them oil and the Haitian government can defer payment for the oil and they could sell the oil and then make money on it. And then they were supposed to use that for social programs and the government just stole all the money. So then the when the Venezuelan economy collapsed, they stopped exporting oil and the fuel prices shot up. And now the Haitian government owes the money on the oil. And so now the economy's in free fall. There's gangs controlling the streets. And now all these refugees are coming to the United States and Central like, America. Look at this refugee like, right here. Gang, gang. <laughs> We're talking about Speaking Haitians. Haitians. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes. Sneeko, welcome to, the, to the, the, the gang, I guess. Panel. Yeah. Not a gang. I'm not in a gang with Nick. I'll take that back. I'm in a gang with Nick. <laughs> you are. See, I, I'm in God's gang with Nick and Yeti. Jesus gang. Let's I'm go. glad that you're back. Well, you guys, AD will agree with you on that. He's a big God guy. The biggest problem and the biggest heartbreak for me is that Kanye 
is in a vulnerable position. I understand that Kanye is frustrated. He's trying to say things. He feel like people are not taking him seriously. And now he has to find allies amongst different people, which these people, I really honestly believe, are not really interested in Kanye. They're interested in what Kanye can bring to them and the platform that he can offer them. They're taking advantage of Kanye. I really do believe this. Now, that says nothing about whether Kanye is right or wrong. It's all about the fact that there are a lot of people looking to latch on to Kanye when he's at his most vulnerable because he's been isolated. He's been pushed away from the mainstream when he spent most of his life in the mainstream. So now he's looking for a family. He's looking for some people to say, yeah, you're right. You've been told you're right so long, and now people telling you you're wrong. Now you need to find some more group of people who tell you you're right. But who is Nick? Who, who is Sneeko? These guys have their own friends, platforms, and different things that have nothing to do with Kanye. These guys aren't musicians. These guys aren't, uh, you know, fashion designers. These, these people walk a totally different separate life than what Kanye has done for majority of his career. But now he's getting to the political arena. And sad to say, Kanye doesn't seem as if he has put enough effort and enough thought process on his own in order to decide who he should ally with. All of this is reactionary because, hey, I got an idea. I got a thought about this. And now he's just throwing his ideas and thoughts out and he's having reactions. And now he is trying to figure out where he belongs instead of taking the time to thoroughly investigate all of his beliefs and all of his positions and then saying, hey, you know what? I want to support these people and I want to help platform these people with the platform that I got. It didn't happen that way. Oh, definitely. Yeah, but you, I'm glad that Sneeko is here because this was all his plan i think that the whole theme here is basically sneeko saying that nick fuentes should be normalized and treated like a part of acceptable society and that's what we're trying to hash out today he should be and i think now that Ye's getting canceled and that he just signed with parlay is proving the fact that if you talk about a specific group that you will automatically be deep platform and you saw I don't know if you talk about, talk about what happened with Nori, but Nori went on every fucking radio show apologizing, uh, apologizing for someone else's comments because all Ye said was he's jealous of Jewish power. Here's the biggest thing. I knew what was going to happen. It's, it, it didn't fail. I, I knew this was going to happen. I think about this all the time. Sometimes I don't even share it with y'all because I realize that sometimes you just need to leave well enough alone. But here's the thing. Here is the thing. Kanye has now attracted some of the people who feel justified in their beliefs. And look, everybody should be able to believe what they want to believe and express what they want to express, freedom of speech. But the biggest problem that happened here is they canceled Kanye. The moment you cancel Kanye, everybody who was looking for a validation found it. Because like, look, even Kanye can't talk about Jewish people. So it must be something going on that the Jews are off limits. You did this to yourself. If you wanted to avoid anti-Semitic behavior or talking points, the last thing you do is cancel Kanye. You say, Kanye, I understand you have a respectable opinion. And Kanye, if you are willing to, we will sit you down with people who specialize in this subject and we'll have a man-to-man -man conversation and we'll hash these things out. And we'll let the people decide for themselves who makes the most sense. But to say you can't talk, you can't have a platform, you got to realize how conspiratorial people think. And not all conspiracies are wrong. A conspiracy theorist is not a slur. It's just... There are conspiracies in the world. There have been real conspiracies in the world. Not all conspiracy theorists believe in rightful conspiracies. But we have to understand that there are people out there who are paranoid, who believe conspiracies are happening. And the moment they see you do exactly what they expected you to do, when Kanye starts talking about Jewish people, validation. This counseling doesn't work. This silencing people doesn't work. 
It only fuels the flames. That's as far as it went. And then even if someone's That's a nice on your view platform, of what he said. He actually said something like way more aggressive was, than was, that. It, yeah, but it was all because of the George Floyd comments. That too. I think like the Jews stuff almost got pushed to the background in favor of people really trying to cancel him for the George Floyd shit. Nah, hell nah. No, I think the Jewish stuff was definitely like the prominent issue there, right? I think they're both issues, but I just felt like I saw a lot more people honing in on the George Floyd shit. I've never seen anybody, you know, like, quote, unquote, get mass canceled for being, quote, unquote, racist, right? In terms of somebody black right now, I believe that Kanye, especially like um, this morning with um, Hot 97, they brought him on to, to like, address, like, his statements towards, towards like, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, the, uh, oh my gosh, you know, like the quote unquote, like Jews, right? Not, not, not right. But no, here, right. But look at this though. Again, but the main issue was Kanye was quote unquote anti-Semitic and he got canceled for that. And then Kanye went on drinks champ and pretty much doubled down on, on, you know, his uh, takes on Jews. And that's what I think the issue is, bro. And, and again, like me personally, I don't think that revolt or, uh, you know, or, 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 or like IG or, or, or like YouTube is out here canceling Kanye because he says some racist shit. Bro, we don't know if the inter- we don't know if the Drink Champs interview was removed because of Revolt making the decision. Kanye was canceled because of the Jewish statements. Kanye was not canceled because of George Floyd. Let's be honest. If they were going to cancel Kanye over the George Floyd comments, they would have canceled him when he said slavery was a choice. Let's be honest. There's a clear line of distinction here. You think that you're going to not cancel Kanye if he attacks black people, but you're going to cancel him if he attacks Jewish people. You don't think that all of his fans and all of the black people who support him and the black people who don't support him feel as if they were betrayed? You don't think that they're going to feel like, hold on, so he can he can just say the most effed up things about black people and he can get a pass and you'll still sell his shoes. But the moment he even starts to talk about Jewish people, that you're going to somehow just destroy the man. Y'all made this mistake. You handled this completely wrong. This is like, who is, who is thinking these things through? Decision or YouTube deciding to remove it. Although if you YouTube might have said, we're going to remove it if you don't remove it, or Revolt might have just done it on their own accord. Yeah, Nori, it was probably Nori's publicist, his manager called him up. And private said, adult. But Ye Nori was wilding. Yeah. Ye was talking crazy about the Jewish power. So what you need to do to protect yourself in your bank account right now is delete the video and go on every single radio show and apologize or else they're going to come after everything and all your money. And so he did that. He said, OK, it's actually not worth it. I don't care what Ye said. I'm sorry. I just want to keep my bank account and I don't want to go on a no fly list because of something that Ye said. Well, it is weird if you're Nori and Kanye just start saying like, well, George Floyd died of a fentanyl overdose. And I mean, you're not the fucking coroner. Like, what do you know? Like, like, how is Nori okay, supposed to respond to that? Stick to the Which is crazy because if Kanye said that he died from a fentanyl overdose and then your criticism is you're not the coroner, well, neither are anybody else. But everybody's walking around saying that, oh, um, George Floyd died because the knee was on his neck. But they're just going by what they heard on TV. They're just going by what they saw on the news. But at the same time, most of these people, most nobody, was the coroner except the coroner but yet if you're justified in saying well he died from a knee on his neck because that's what this person said then he's justified to say he died from fentanyl because that's what these people said it's like you can't you can't just decide that one is right and one is wrong science of it though yeah they said that he lost his life 
because of a lack of oxygen. But does Nori you know have I mean? these facts memorized? Like, that's why it's awkward. And that's why people say that we shouldn't platform people like Nick Fuentes. <laughs> He's too smart. <laughs> because they're just going to say some random shit and we're just going to go along with it. But the more specific. No, you're probably just not well versed in these in, in this field in order to combat it properly. And you might overlook some things or let some things pass that may look bad on you. That that's probably what they were saying. Like he should probably talk to somebody who deals in politics and deals with these subjects on a day-to-day -day basis or spent most of their time delving into these uh conversations. Accusation about Nick is that he is basically bundling up his white supremacist ideas in this this nice sports coat and everything, and that he acts real cool. <laughs> hey, I love black art. Yeah, Nas is cool. <laughs> and and that's what I like. That's what people are gonna fucking destroy me for is if I am not perceived. As being aggressive enough towards Nick. And I seen some shit today. And I said, you know what? I usually don't do my homework and shit like yeah. that. I seen some <laughs> shit today that made me disgusted as an African-American Well, today. lay it out there, AD. All yeah. right. So for one, you said you never seen black people jog before? <laughs> <laughs> I met Aubrey. Nah, it's not I don't see why that would be disgusting. I mean, come on. Let's be honest. Like, yeah, black people jog. But black people don't jog on the same levels as probably white people you know but disgusted by that well yeah, white people by that jogging is a white no, people no, activity no no but in the but in the sense of Ahmad Aubrey you know what I'm saying the way he lost his life because jogging in a in a neighborhood and in some you know you know what they did to him that's fucked up you know? what they did uh Aubrey was effed up it was jacked up but was that dude really jogging was he really jogging come on man Think about it, bro. How many how many black people you know, young black kid who apparently been troubled in his past, just a jogger. He he's not jogging. Come on, man. Like it was jacked up on how they handled it, and they, I think they got what they deserve. You don't go hunt somebody down. Like call the police and let the police find him and deal with it. But you don't go around trying to look for the trouble and try to find the trouble. But at the same time, come on, do anybody really believe this man was just jogging? Just jogging. You know what I'm saying? I'm a black person. I know I don't look like I jog, but I yeah. jog. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> come on, where do you jog? You jog in yeah. the streets? Nigga, I, move no, I don't live in the streets anymore. I moved out the streets, yeah. so I jog in a nice neighborhood. Well, you still got to stay out Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and if you look at the specifics of the case, though, and that that's a little bit of old news, so I may be a little fuzzy on the details, but he was jogging a long way from where he lived. He was jogging in boots. You know, you can jog, but usually jog in sneakers, you jog in gym shoes, you don't jog in boots. And there was a series of break-ins reported in the area too. And, and he was caught on camera on that construction site. And I remember at the time, Matt Walsh from Daily Wire was like, this is just something that guys do. We go in, we climb the fence, we jump in and we walk around construction sites to say, and it's like, okay, so he's in boots, he's miles from his house. He's jogging. He's on the construction site. There's burglaries in the area. Now, I'll admit, they pulled the way they pulled a gun on him, I would probably say that was probably over the line. And, you know, they got charged for that. I would say, is that, you know, is that a first-degree murder? No. You know, what, what do you call that? I'm not like a lawyer. I don't know what you would call that. But They murdered that guy. I'm just going to say it. Whether he was jogging or whether he was, like, breaking in or whatever. The moment somebody starts to run away, the moment somebody is trying to leave and get away and you have to literally go out of your way to hunt that person down and stop that person by force, you're wrong. You're in the wrong. 
So, of course, anything that happened to transpire after that, you are in the wrong. He was wrong until you superseded his wrong with your wrong. Because at this point, he's not looking for conflict. He's not looking to do you harm. You're trying to force this man in a position that he doesn't want to be in, even if he is a criminal. You call the police and you let the police handle it. Now, if you are in direct danger and he's literally trying to hurt you or end your life or do something or harm you or steal your property and you catch him, then you have the right to use self-defense. It's a clear cut. It's that simple. It's no more complicated than it needs to be. The point is they try to make it out like this was the new Ku Klux Klan. The most you could say about it is the guys were overzealous about it. Um, well, but yeah, but a guy ended up losing his life. at the. They had a the problem with, yeah, I don't think it was like the new Ku Klux Klan, but I think that most people had a problem with the fact that this guy, they, they shot this guy, he died, and then there was no charges pressed, that these guys went home and everything was just like wrapped up in a nice bow. There was no real investigation or something after the fact. Like it wasn't until the, the story started to gain prominence that there was actually real investigation and we found out a lot of facts that we didn't know about before. So that's what people were upset about. People thought that that was a racial aspect to it. And I'm not going to get into the whole racial aspect of it because I'm not a mind reader. I don't necessarily know exactly what went into that. It could have just been a friendship thing. Those guys knew each other. They looked out for each other. It could have nothing to do with race. I'm not sure, but it could have everything to do with race. But that's neither here nor there. Let's stick with the facts that we know. And what we know is that they failed to do a proper investigation to hold those guys accountable for what they went out of their way and did. And that's a big problem. And it should have been pointed out. And I think rightfully so, it got prominence and the results happened. The end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and, yeah, and I think that uh, for, for once again for, for technically them, jogging. Yeah, right? I mean you can't you can't <laughs> argue if all those facts are true of a guy fucking far from home jogging in in uh, in work boots. That yeah, that is pretty out of the ordinary. I think that the main issue people had with it was just the amount of force that those guys demonstrated and how comfortable they seemed to be with like basically taking the law into their own hands. True, like. As a, a well-thought-out person, you should have, be able to look at both sides and see what people did right and what people did wrong, and you should be able to call both out equally. And it should be no harm, no foul. But some people feel like if I say this, then people are going to be mad at me or whatever. Okay, sometimes people got to be mad at you. But, like, yeah, they handled that wrong. And at the same time, people do get upset at the fact that every time a black person is killed – it must be that this black person was a saint and they did nothing wrong and they were good, a good person. Like that's not the case all the time. Sometimes these are bad people and they just happen to be black. It's like you can't you can't make these people out to be saints when they're not. Even if they were wrongfully killed, stop going around trying to make it seem like these people were the blessed, like they were angels from heaven that came down and walked the earth. That could be disingenuous and people get tired of that. Yeah, and like I said, I, like I said, should they have pulled a gun on him? Like I said, I think that was inappropriate. But, you know, they try to expand this because that preceded the George Floyd thing by a few months. They try to turn that into there's a systemic white supremacy problem among the police. And it's like that, that's where you draw the line. Is this sort of like a bad situation or does this represent this horrible undercurrent? I think if anything, it's quite the opposite. I think if anything, blacks get treated better than white people. Hell no. I live, listen. Absolutely. I lived in, I lived in some of these, I lived in Compton almost my whole life. And the way the police used to treat me and my friends was, was terrible, bro. And like, Oh, I, not by the police. I'm talking about by the university. I'm talking about by the media, by the institutions. Sorry to interrupt, but. No. Nah. Yeah. There's a discrepancy here. Um, there's such thing as black privilege, whether people want to accept it or not. Like, 
I'm not talking to the people who will never agree with anything that I have to say because I don't side with everything they want me to side. I don't do tribalism. I don't care what tribe you belong to. I'm not a part of your tribe. What I will say is I'm going to look at the evidence. I'm going to look at the facts and I'm going to do my best to interpret it the best way I can. And I could be wrong sometimes, but that comes with the territory. But black people are treated vastly different in the media in uh in the media and in like social institutions uh like there are a lot of privileges that come with being black things you can say and get away with that white people can't say and get away with yeah that comes with the territory and you just have to accept the fact that, 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 that that's true i mean you can say that it's well deserved after all of the treatment or whatever but i'm not in the, i'm not into the ability of like i'm not in the mindset of getting away with something or doing something wrong for the sake of something that happened before I was born. Like, I'm not finna use that as an excuse. Right is right and wrong is wrong. And I can't dictate what the rest of the world does, but I'm in control of my own behavior. And at the same time, if, I, if white people can't do it, I shouldn't be able to do it. And if I can't do it, white people shouldn't be able to do it. Because at some point, we're going to have to say, you know what? Take the gloves off and let's be humans. Let's be Americans. Let's figure out a way to treat each other equally. And let's stop using tick for tack. And let's stop holding this against this person, even though this person didn't have something to do with it, whatever you're talking about. Like, I'm asking everybody to do that racist white people i'm asking you to do the same thing like as a black man i shouldn't have to feel like you hate me because i'm black i shouldn't feel like you think i'm inferior because i'm black but i'm asking you to do the same thing i'm asking black people don't take advantage of certain privileges because you're black and you can say the c word where they can't say the n word like don't do it like you can be the bigger person you can set the example not just for them but you can set the example for the future generations that come after us who don't want to inherit a world where racism is still prevalent, where people are still dividing themselves amongst their race and being mistreated because of it. Uh, I disagree with that as well, too. I feel like now we're getting a lot of light shed on things because of social media and yeah. people having more voices than they usually have. But before, a lot of shit used to get swept under the rug. Like where I come from, I've seen all type of, you know what I'm saying, injustice that people don't even get to talk about. I got a lot of homeboys behind bars for shit that they didn't do. You know what I mean? Like I. One of my earliest memories that I could tell you about, you know, I remember I was in a neighborhood one time and I got pulled over. This is antidote evidence. Like, oh, uh, yes, there are a lot of uh, black people who have suffered because they were black and mistreated. They get more time in the system. These things happen. And we have to admit that those things happen. But at the same time, um, we have to realize that this 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 guy has to open up to the fact that there are some privileges that come with being black in today's time. You can acknowledge that while at the same time saying for the majority of history, even up to a couple of few years ago, there was a lot of stuff being swept under the rug. True. Let's talk about it. Let's be honest about it. But when we start being honest about the things that black people are doing to other black people, I want you to keep that same mentality. I want you to also speak up and say, you know, the killing of black men, killing black men and raping and shooting and the violence and all of this, the gangbanging and all this stuff is also wrong. I want you to keep that same energy. So let's talk about this. Let's get those facts out and let's be honest and let's be real about it. But when we start to switch over, okay, now let's focus on what y'all got going on. I don't want no like, oh, well, racism. And, like, I want you to take ownership and accountability for it. I want you to decide that this stuff is wrong and it needs to stop. And the police, they were asking me, oh, where are you from? And everything, they're checking my tattoos and stuff like that. I tell them, oh, nothing, nothing, whatever it is, what it is. The fucking, I don't know if it's the chief or whoever it was that pulled me over. He just leaves me for like 30 minutes. You know what I'm saying? In a bad neighborhood. And when he comes back, he smiles at me and he has, my key is bent. I can't even drive my car. You know what I'm saying? Like, a, you want me to get hurt when I was just, you know what I'm saying? Going to work. That's doing your what example of, he let, he let, what, why is the neighborhood bad? What do you mean? Well, who's the in the neighborhood? Bad. We have is that a bad, white neighborhood? Have, yeah, 
No, it's not a it's not a white neighborhood. He bent the key. He bent the key. Oh, I up. see. Oh, I see. He bent to where, he to where you think to where I couldn't start my car. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Why do you think though that I guess black there's two people to blame for that? It's the black people who have who commit high enormous amounts of crime, and it's not majority of black people, it's a very small select few of black people within these communities that make it worse for everybody. They're to blame because for one, they create a hostile environment to where police create um develop a bias and they're looking for things because they know that, you know, it's likely that something is going on in the area. So those people are to blame, but also the police are to blame because they cannot take out everything that they feel on each individual. They still have the, they still have the, the responsibility and their duty is to treat every person as an individual and not to treat you as a collective. So it's, it's a very balancing act, but there's blame to go around. Sir. You know, like treated better in, in this country, or why is it so hard to believe that that there are racist police officers? I don't. I'm Nobody not saying there that. aren't racist. It's just police the officers. idea that the whole institution is white supremacist is way I agree over with the line. That, yeah. No, no, no. That's, ke- that's kept to keep people brainwashed and yelling about stupid shit during a quarantine, that, so that they focus on non problems yeah. instead of what's really going on. No, but it's, Black it's, Lives Matter didn't solve anything, and they told us to focus on this one instance of George Floyd. So maybe Ye was wrong talking about the fentanyl. I'm not sure. But I'm, the whole idea of it was that George Floyd was just used as an example to make everybody outraged, and it worked. And we didn't solve anything with it. $85 million went nowhere, and the neighborhoods that they were trying to protect are worse now. All right. There's a lot of truth to what Sneeko said. And I find this funny because, if I'm not mistaken, Sneeko is a red pill guy. So I guess he's trying to get into the whole politics of things right now. So I guess if you got a platform, you can just jump in, jump in and out of whatever subjects you want because you got a platform. <sighs> I wish we took our political pundits more seriously. But with that being said, hey, good for him. If he wants to try to transition to talking about politics and stuff like that. But a lot of times I hear a lot of these guys, they're really just repeating things that they heard from other people. Uh, they know a little bit, uh, this, that, and the third. But their level of conversation is only going to go but so far with certain people. Like Ben Shapiro is on a different level. Um, Sam Harris is on a different level. There are people who are on a different level, but these guys aren't on that level. So they're talking to guys who are on that level. But like, if you're looking, if you're looking to come to this conversation and really find nuggets of truth, you might find some nuggets of truth. But it's not going to help you like really form your your ideology or understand how you should see the world because there's a vast amount of information out there and. It takes a lot of sifting through. It takes a lot of conversation. It takes it takes a lot of hours and debates and trying to prove yourself wrong. It takes a lot of that to try to narrow down why we accept the things we accept, why we should pick one policy over the other policy, why this is a better politician than that politician. But now we just have everybody has a voice. Everybody has a voice. And I'm not knocking it because I got a voice because of it. But at the same time, when everybody has a voice, it creates much more friction. It creates much more noise. And it makes it even harder for people to come to a, a, a definitive worldview without, you know, only finding those people that feed into their bias. Well, that definitely seems like it's true. Yeah. No, but yeah, and, and the thing is, I don't, I'm not like a big cheerleader for the cops or anything. I'm not like a Blue Lives Matter guy by any stretch. I, I'm not by any stretch a person that's going to say there's no, because there's cops that are assholes to black people and white people. And I think the cops as an institution are totally corrupt. When I say that, like George Floyd's a perfect example. Here's a guy who is a criminal. Here's a guy who is dealing drugs. He's got a long rap sheet. He's a burglar. And and the guy clearly died from fentanyl. The autopsy report in that county said that he died of a heart attack. 
and he had all these drugs in the system. He not only had fentanyl, but also had methamphetamine in his system. But the coroner, so not the really, coroner, the coroner, the coroner that he say died that. from he the died knee on his neck, from right? The knee on his neck. I don't even see what's the point of arguing this anymore, bro. At this point, every information has gotten out. I knew this like a, a year ago. I, I knew this a long time ago. Like I was following the whole George Floyd case closely, and there were still people split about whether he died with a knee on his neck or he died from fentanyl. It's like, and those same people are the same people who are still in the same positions. I don't need to watch a new documentary to tell me this, that, and the third. It's like at this point, either you believe he died from fentanyl or you believe he died from the knee on his neck. That ain't changing. And no matter how many people are deciding this, the verdict is in. Now, unless you're going to start a movement and try to change the verdict, right now it's just y'all arguing about something that pretty much, even if you could convince somebody differently, it won't make a difference. Autopsy said it was a heart attack. Autopsy said it was a heart attack. Is there a disagreement between the, the yeah. autopsy and the coroner? I believe there were two autopsies performed. I think there was one that was performed by the county and one that was performed by somebody else. But Which is funny because most people who are going out protesting and arguing and rioting, I guarantee you most of those people don't even think about George Floyd like that anymore. Most of those people go on about their day-to-day lives. George Floyd ain't even in their mind at all. But yeah, there was a dispute about that. And they did find drugs in the system. So, and in any case... But what does drugs have to do with the situation of why he got arrested in the first place? Well, he know? died from a... Well, he got arrested because he was trying to pass a counterfeit bill. So he was in the process of committing a crime. And then he was tweaking out because he was high. And then he was in this unfortunate position where, you know, you're high and probably having some kind of a heart attack or some kind of medical episode while you're in the process of an arrest. Well, if you can't the, breathe and you're screaming out, mommy, you know what I'm saying? And you, you're saying that you can't breathe and, they, you know, they keep putting force on him. I mean, he was saying he couldn't breathe before he was on the ground. He, they were, he was saying he couldn't breathe before they were trying to get him into the cop car. And he was saying that. And I, I really do believe that once they had George Floyd on the ground, they should have put him in handcuffs. It was like three or four officers there. The first thing they should have did was get this man up and put him in the back of that car and get the hell out of there. Especially when you start seeing crowds and stuff forming around and whatever. The moment you got this guy restrained, pick him up, put him in that car. I don't care if he's claustrophobic or whatever, and get the hell out of there and take him down to the um, precinct. That's the best thing. But to sit there for that long with your knee on his neck or his back, wherever it was, I don't even care whether he died from fentanyl or with a, with a knee on his neck. The fact is, once you had him restrained, put him in handcuffs, put him in the car and get the hell out of there. It's that simple. Because the situation is escalating. As police officers, you would think that the, the first thing we could do is to get this guy out of here. And we'll handle the rest at, down at the precinct. I understand what you're saying, but the problem is we start in the middle of the story where you got a guy who's like a criminal. You got a guy who's in the process of committing a crime and he's high. And people want to start the story where he's on the ground and say, oh, well, you know, they shouldn't have done this technique or whatever. And it sort of ignores the fact that, you now, why do you have so much exposure between the, the police and black people? It's because black people are committing the majority of the violent crime. That's the real problem. If they had a crime rate similar to white people, there'd be a lot fewer incidences overall of police uh, involved or, or, you know, cop involved shootings of black people or, or negative uh, situations like that. So that, that and this is something, like I said, it's true. Like, you can't deny the fact that that's true. What do you want? Like, if you don't want more interactions with cops, that means that you got to take the crime rate down, right? You got to take it way down. But we have to acknowledge that fact. Like, 
what do you want the police not to do anything? Do you want police to stop responding to calls? Do you want the police to stop, um, uh, you know, monitoring the neighborhood with the most crime? Because that's the either you get the crime rate down, or you're going to have police doing their job, which will increase the likelihood of something like this happening. Because the more interactions you have with the cops, where guns are involved, where people have a sense of power over you, the more likely something will go wrong. So the best way to minimize that is to get the crime rate down. And that means that we're going to need a lot more snitches in the community. We're going to need a lot more people operating and like working with the police. That means we're going to have a lot of people who are standing up saying no drug dealing, no gang banging, enough of this. But at the same time, y'all condone these lifestyles. Y'all allow these lifestyles to prosper. But at the same time, you're increasing the likelihood of the police being in your area, which may cause these incidents. Like it's counterproductive. That's always the issue. That when man, I listen to when yeah. I listen to Nick, I have a hard time trying to dissect it because I, I consider myself a, a truthful person. So when I listen to what he's saying, it's like I'm not I think Nick leads with statistics and facts a lot of time. And that's the problem is that we're meant to think like people like him are, are bad and we're supposed to push back. And if you don't push back, you are going to get in trouble uh, uploading this video. Now, Part of the reason I got it, I got a couple. Well, the only issue is like, okay, if you have statistics and facts, which I don't deny, I've already looked at the information, so I don't need to go like verify and check. But you have to, okay, where do you get your sources from? Let me go look it up for myself. Let me find out what's true and what's false. Or at least they should have did their homework before. So if he's going to have these statistics, they can combat them with other statistics or whatever the case may be. But when you have no training or no eye for this type of research, then you're left like not knowing what to say or what to do, right? But I can guarantee you this conversation would go vastly different if you had a guy who the opposite of Nick, um, Nick, and they had totally different views, even with the same information, people come to vastly different conclusions. So, I mean, yeah, everybody should have a voice. He should be able to freak, uh, freak, uh, speak freely. But this idea of canceling people, shutting people down and not allowing them to have a bank account and stuff like that, that is authoritarian and it's scary. And I think that we should all push back against this, whether you're on the left or whether you're on the right or if you're independent, you're somebody who don't get involved. I think the thought that there are people in our society who can be isolated and shut down and not able to have a voice is sickening. But at the same time, I believe that social media websites and all of these different banks and stuff like that don't have to have you on their platform. They don't have to take your money. They don't have to let you be a part of whatever it is they got going on because they have the right to do so because it's a free country and these companies have that ability to do so. But what kind of culture are we creating? Do they pay a cost for doing this type of behavior? That's what I'm talking about. We as the people, do we enact a certain price on when they stifle and shut down conversations? I'm not going to go through this whole video because it's an hour and 31 minutes long. If there's a video of Nick that y'all want me to see that I can break down better or something that is just him talking and getting some of his views out, I would do my best, you know, drop it in the Patreon at patreon.com slash the Javier Javier show. Or you can do it at my Discord. Um, all the links down in the bottom in the description. So you can find all my links there. If you got any Nick videos that you want me to check out, definitely hit me up there. But We'll leave it at that, and y'all let me know. What do y'all think? Am I missing something? Am I on point? What do you think about Nick? What do you think about Sneeko? What do you think about this conversation that they had? And there's a lot more to be had, so go watch the video for yourself. Until then, peace and glory, everybody. Be peaceful and be great. Till next time, I'm out.